With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This week on Happy, Sad, Confused, Dane DeHaan on Spider-Man stunts and why you should never trust a spa again. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the show. Joining me as always is... Sammy, we went over this. Come on, that's when you I, say your name. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to give me like a rock star intro. No, I don't do rock star intros. I do really sad attempts at intros, and you save me. I'm worried about this spa thing. Well, it actually is apropos for what he's promoting. Don't worry. Uh, Dan, yeah. Dan, what, did he have just like a bad experience <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> no. Though we I have did, a rash. We, though we do talk about his um, not liking people to touch his feet, but that's. That's kind of spa-related. Um, yeah. Dane, Dane DeHaan is the guest today. He is promoting a film called A Cure for Wellness, which opens Thursday evening. Um, and uh, it is a super freaky, weird, fucked-up movie. And I mean that in a nice way. Yeah, even the commercials. I'm like, oh, I got to turn it off. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's basically he plays like a uh, kind of a jerk who goes to this weird spa um, to find a coworker who's kind of gone off the reservation. And he basically goes on the worst like you know, it's journey for any human being can go on. He's put through the emotional and physical ringer in it. Uh, it's exceptionally well directed by Gore Verbinski, who did the Pirates movies. Um, it's it's a it's a good piece of work, and, and Dane is uh, is excellent in it. And um, this is a fun conversation with Dane DeHaan. I'm excited. We love Dane DeHaan here. I'm a big fan. He's uh, he's somebody that um, I've gotten to know uh, a bunch bunch in recent years thanks to his work in Chronicle. In um, Kill Your Darlings, opposite our, our guy Daniel Radcliffe. They came in for an after hours That's right. they, a couple years they ago. They did. And we talk a bunch about Dan, how could we not, and how he's a perfect human being, blah, mm. blah, blah. We love. Um, and we talk a bunch about Valerian, which we which I've talked about a bunch in this podcast. That is, of course, the sci-fi uh, film from Luke Basson. And Star- Are you the official spokesperson for <laughs> Valerian now? Or well, is- I did say, I said to Dan in the conversation, I'm like, your movie better be really good because I have a lot – I have my reputation. Truly, truly. <laughs> um, I believe it will be good. I truly do. Um, and of course, that that one stars uh, Dane alongside Cara Delevingne. Um, so yeah, now we just need Cara. We've had Luke on the podcast. We've had Dane. Cara, what are you doing? Cara, come visit us. I think we'll get her. I think she'll come by. We got candy. <laughs> Josh has had the same candy in his office for a year and a half now. True story. You can have some. True story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so Dane is the main guest on this week's Happy Sad Confused. I will make the intro short because this is a a, a fun conversation. I don't want to waste any of our listeners' precious times. Uh, Sammy's wearing a heart uh, shirt because it is Valentine's Day. Sure is. Um, hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day. Yes, full of love. We just recorded a Dane on Valentine's Day, and it felt like a, a, there was a lot of love in the air. Really? Did you guys both compare what you're doing for your significant others tonight? We did. Who's more tra- romantic? Um well, uh, I spoke to – and Anna, his his wife, um, came by and I had a chance to chat, uh, chat with her for a while. Um, they were planning on – they had a nice dinner planned. I can say this now after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they were also debating whether they should just you know, get in their sweats and do nothing because Ugh. he's been doing a, a press tour Real love. That's that's what it's all about. They're going to have a baby soon. It's all good. 
Good for Dane. Happiness and joy while the world around us crumbles. Mm. Um, please enjoy this conversation with Dane DeHaan and check out A Cure for Wellness out in theaters this weekend. Uh, without any further ado, here's Dane. Very excited to be joined by the legendary Dane DeHaan. Hey, Dan. What's up, man? How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Welcome to the podcast. First time on the podcast. It's overdue. We're both wearing stripes. I know you can't see us, but we're both wearing stripes. It's stripe day. It's stripe day. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. A happy Valentine's Day to you. There's no one I'd rather spend, well, maybe top 10 people I'd, I'd want to spend Valentine's Day with. You're top 50 for me, for sure. Okay, I'll yeah. take that. You know a lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people. <laughs> I know way more people than most people. And when I think of Dave Don, I think that guy knows like a thousand people. <laughs> He's got like the most Facebook friends of anybody I know. Um, yeah, it's an odd <laughs> – I don't even know. Um, it's an odd way to spend Valentine's Day, I guess. At least your lovely wife is is, is hanging around for the press day. She's here, yeah. She, she's it's working. good to have she, her. She's nearby if anything goes awry here. That's right. Um, how's uh, – is the day been a little weird? You're talking – we're going to talk here for wellness. This is a, a fun, interesting one to talk about, I'm sure, with like the junket press. Yeah, sure. It's definitely a movie most people can't wrap their minds around. You know, it's a wild, crazy movie. So um, it's uh, – but, you know, people seem to genuinely enjoy it, you know? Like, I, I I truly did. I um, honestly did. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's fun to go to promote a movie that's this, I mean, really, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, people... No, it's a... It, we can we can curse here. I'll curse for us. It's it's a mind-fuck. It's, it's a, a mind-fuck, it's yeah. a It's a... It's probably the weirdest movie you'll see this year by a major studio, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah I think... And maybe not even... In recent years. Yeah. You know, like, studios <laughs> don't make these kinds of movies anymore, yeah. so... I mean, I saw you recently when, like, Fox showed, like, the first, like, 40 minutes or so. And that... I was I was totally swept up in that. I mean, and it's great, and, and we'll, we'll get into more details about sort of storyline and stuff, but, like, if you think the first 40 minutes is kind of like out there and batshit like hold on to your seats because it really goes to far weird places and that's part of the fun it's totally true i remember during that press junket everybody like whoa those first 40 minutes pretty crazy and i was like you have no (laughs) idea dude like literally no idea it gets insane yeah yeah it's um it's a movie so it's directed by gore verbinski he's one of these like filmmakers that that Probably the general public doesn't know his name, but you've like see, he's like one of the most successful filmmakers of all time, thanks to the Pirates films. Yeah, and the, the first three Pirates films, The Ring, uh, Rango, Rango, very cool, weird. won an Oscar for Rango. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's he's certainly. Um, I mean, the world that he creates in this one, and and not even just creates. I mean, you shot on location. I know you had to. Uh, it's. Um, it's very striking. It's uh, it, yeah. it, it kind of like just grabs you and doesn't let go. Uh, talk to me a little bit about sort of just like what – I mean you knew what you were getting into. You read this crazy script. <laughs> You'd probably talk to Gore a bunch. Yeah. Um, and it is – I mean it is a world he created. Like we shot on location but we shot on so many different locations. You know, and he took this – the exterior is this castle that – called the Hohenzollern Castle. It's an amazing, amazing place. And then we filmed it like this old war hospital, Belitz, where like Hitler was cured of polio in World War One. And then we, which was a weird place. And we shot some on the studio and like in small towns all across Germany. So he took a bunch of different locations to make this one 
eerie world of yeah. the sanitarium. And so to give folks a little bit of setup, you play you're basically a jerk. You're an asshole. You're not a good guy. Let's be frank. I no, yeah, totally. I have the sickness. You, you know? do. Yes, right. <laughs> I have the sickness. <laughs> Most that... of us do apparently. <laughs> and we need to go to this creepy spa to uh, drink the waters and soak up in the waters and find this strange weird cure that seems to be like also fucking with people's brains. We don't yeah, really know what's it. up for a long while. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I work on like uh, my character's name is Lockhart. He works for like a Wall Street money hedge fund kind of firm. And it's like it's in turmoil and the company's in turmoil and the CEO of the company has gone to the spa in the Swiss Alps and he hasn't come back. So I'm sent to go and fetch him, bring him back before the company folds. But the spa ends up being this really crazy, weird, mysterious, sinister place. And it sends me on a wild ride. Is this um? Did this put you through the, like the physical ringer more than any other film you, that you've been through? Because it, it's maybe it's movie magic or not, but it, it seems like you're going to extremes. You're underwater. You're losing parts of your anatomy. You think <laughs> bad things are happening. Yeah, and to, in some ways, yeah. I mean, I think I've I, I've ultimately made more physically demanding movies, mm-hmm. but every day on this, we filmed it for five months, and it was a huge either physical or like psychological demanding day. You yeah. know, and the. The some of the sequences, the I, I'd like to call it my month of torture, where there's like there's three, I guess, times in the movie where you could say I'm tortured, tortured, yeah. tortured, <laughs> um, and they decided to film those all back to back to back. So for for that month, I was being tortured, and um, you know, gore shoots in a really slow, methodical way, and we tried to do it as safe as possible, but. Yeah, you know, it's like it was two weeks in that water tank. I would think any time you get into like a tank, you're underwater for any period of time. And that's – I mean no matter how trained the professionals are around you, there's got to be an element of fear involved. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was I was scared. <laughs> it was, was horrible time. But it's OK because I was supposed to be scared because <laughs> that's, that's right. what happens in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean there's an there's totally an element of danger. You know, you, you're making it as safe as possible but bolting someone underwater – in a cast, like literally bolted to the sides of this thing to keep me, my body horizontal, breathing through an oxygen tube, and it's just me and a camera guy in there, it's not safe. You know, you make it as safe as possible, but there's a safety diver on standby. We actually had to use the safety diver once because yeah. um, it just, it can get crazy, and I'm communicating with hand signals, and um, yeah, it's dangerous. What's uh, Have you ever been in the case of, of doing a stunt on any film where you felt like this is it? This was a bad call, and this is it's, yeah. it's going down a bad way. Yes, I have. Um, during Chronicle, actually, there was this one uh, stunt that I really wanted to do, and they kept telling me I was going to be able to do it. And then we got to set on the day, and they were having the stunt guy do it. And I was like, you guys, you told me I was doing And I really like put up a fight to be able to do it. And it was this really complicated wire scene that uh, required, I think, because everything shot like in one take, there was almost like there was like five kilometers of wire being used, and I was strapped to it. And there was a point in which my wire was supposed to speed up, and I was supposed to start running. And there was a truck behind me with a techno crane on it, um, and it was following me. And I was like holding the camera like my character was holding the camera and right. then it's like I let it up and I was supposed to start running but my wire got stuck and didn't move and the truck didn't see that I had stopped running and I was basically running in place and the truck kept going oh, and there was a safety guy on the wire that 
that was there to pull me up if anything went wrong. And he noticed at the last second it pulled me up and my head actually slammed into the techno crane on the camera. But the techno crane on the camera was really just six inches in front of the truck's hood. So I was really close to getting seriously, seriously injured. And that's the day I learned that stuntmen exist for a reason <laughs> and don't be a stupid, brave, who think you're being a brave asshole and yeah. almost kill yourself. Like, use your stunt guy. Yeah. Like, that... swallow your pride, use your stunt guy. Luckily, you found that out without breaking your head in half, yeah. which could have happened. Well, yeah. it's like, yeah, you talk to people like like Harrison Ford, always fa- people famously ask him about like, the stunts he does. He's like, I don't do stunts. I do physical acting, and when it's time for a stunt, the stunt guy does the stunts. Well, totally. And inherently, actually, the the phrase, I do my own stunts, is a, it's a trick phrase, right? Because yeah. everybody does their own stunts. Right. You know, it's like a... You don't saying I did all the stunts in the movie that my character does is different than saying I did all my own stunts because you're basically saying all the stunts that I did, right? I did those, right? <laughs> it's a, it's also a bit like yeah. Well, it's a good thing you got that out of the way now. I mean, maybe because I mean I would think there's still like a you know an adrenaline rush that you get when you sign onto a part and like I know like you know that that I just saw the John Wick movie and I know Keanu takes a lot of pride in doing like all that kind of stuff and I'm sure like yeah that's like for certain kinds of jobs you want to learn new skills you want to push yourself but. Uh, um, you also have to know your limits. You have to, man. You got to know when it's time to get the guy that actually right. is like a professional at doing that stuff. So um, the, I guess the hope is, uh, um, among other things about this film, this does for spas what Jaws did for the water, essentially, or, or sharks. Day, yeah, what Jaws did for the day at the beach, we wouldn't do for a day at the spa. <laughs> I do find spas a little they're, – they're a little – there is something creepy about them. Are you a spa guy? Um, I can get into a spa. Yeah, you can do a good massage, a good uh, pedicure. I know somebody is actually working on your feet right now, which is odd that you brought somebody in here while the podcast was happening. What do you mean? That's not normal? I don't know who this guy is. Is he with you or is he with us? Yeah, this is Serge, and uh, he's my foot guy. He's my foot guy. Keeps my feet feet tip-top shape. No, um, I'm weird about feet, actually. I don't – I freak out if people touch my feet. Yeah, that's not unusual. I get that. But I will get a pedicure just for, like, the good of humanity (laughs) sometimes (laughs) because I'm just like, you know, like, it's been a while. Like, I don't even like my own feet that much. (laughs) Other people touch my feet, and today I'm going to do everyone a favor. Right. I'm going to tend to these bad boys. And you go to the the, the person doing the job being like, I'm so sorry. We're just going to get through this together. I I am embarrassed when I go, yeah. (laughs) But actually, I mean, honestly, since I've made this movie, I haven't been able to go to the spa and not think about this movie. Yeah. You know, like I was getting a massage the other day and uh, they were playing this music that looks new agey music that I think was supposed to relax me. And it was amazing to me how close it was to movie like eerie music from a horror movie. Yeah. It it was just kind of freaking me out. And like I'll never look at steam rooms the same (laughs) again. And, you know, they – it's kind of the perfect thing to corrupt because a lot of people think of them as such, you know, safe, yes. chill places. It's fun to kind of turn that on its head. This is Happy Sack Confused. We'll be right back after this. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Do you have any long-standing phobias, fears? 
roller coasters. Really? Yeah, I hate roller coasters. From from uh, as a kid too, you never got, got yeah. into them. No, I never liked them. Uh, they've always freaked me out. And just like the motion, you get sick. Or it's like on the way up, I get convinced the, I'm the gonna die. Yeah, yeah. And I have a full on panic attack. Ooh. Yeah. It's not and, good. Uh, I freak out. We were going to go to Coney Island after this. I guess that's off the... No Coney Island. <laughs> no. I'll play the game. That's what we do. Every guest on Cappy Set Confused at the end of the podcast, you go to, we go to Coney Island. I'll go to the freak show. I'll okay. eat some hot dogs. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, next July 4th, let's do the hot it dog is. eating contest. Okay. It is Valentine's <laughs> Day. That'd be a romantic date for me and you, Josh. We went to Coney Island and ate some hot dogs and saw the freak show. <laughs> Our wives are like, where did they go? <laughs> Are you relieved? You've been uh, you've been together with your wife for a while. You relieved you don't have to deal with the horribleness of of the modern uh, dating world, the online dating, the Tinders, et cetera's? Yeah, um, yeah. I kind I, I feel pretty lucky to have avoided that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been together for like twelve years or something. Like it's been a while since college. So yeah, I never. I think I would be really bad at dating. Like well, really bad. What would your okay? So, so it's not going to happen because you're very happy. You're, you're going to have a kid. Congratulations! Thanks. Very happy for you guys. Thanks. Um, what would your let's let's do your Match.com profile? What are your what are your likes? What are what are Dane's likes that you would put if you were dating somebody right or looking for Ooh. somebody right now? Well, oh my god! See, this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? You just put things that you like. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've been oh, with my cool. I've been with my wife for longer than you've been with yours. So <laughs> we're talking two uh, idiots talking. I like. Well, I guess you'd have to say things that are like you would think are appealing to people <laughs> that would want to date you. Okay. So, like for instance, I like playing golf, but I wouldn't put that on. Yeah, my, that's probably not a big like, draw. Oh, I like playing golf, no way. Uh, what about what about? I uh, like uh, I like like restaurants. I like I'm a foodie, total foodie. Yeah. <laughs> I like a good cup of coffee. <laughs> Just a simple um, guy, simple pleasures. Yeah, I like uh, I don't know. Any hobbies besides golf? Do I have hobbies? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, not really. Like, I like, um, I like chopping wood a lot. What? That would be good. I mean, that might confuse people, like Nick Offerman in here all of a sudden. Like, what? (laughs) Well, I don't make anything out of the wood, but I like chopping it. (laughs) I do. I really like chopping wood. Wow. It's just, it just reminds you you're, you're a man and you can cut things in half with your brute strength. Um, I don't know if that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going deeper than you were expecting. (laughs) I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like honestly my life is so exciting right. in a way that I never expected it to be. And I'm so lucky to always be like going around the world and making crazy movies and filming on location that when I'm home, I just want to do – I want – I like crave manual labor. Right. You know, I like I, – I, I've learned to like lay stones, like stone patio. Like huh. I've gotten pretty into that. Um, chopping wood. I love to like – like gardening, like I right. like doing these things. And gardening you, might be good on a match. Yeah, like yeah. that's a nice sensitive, like you know, thing. I'm surprised you're. I mean, you ha- you haven't defected as far as I know yet to the evil uh, West Coast yet. You're still. I at- was there for two and a half years, and then I came back. I escaped. Oh, oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe I missed this interim. Was this recent? You were you were back in LA? No, it's been like four years. Okay, so probably since we've been talking, mostly you've been a you've been New yeah, Yorker, probably. Okay, so uh, and there's enough garden space for you uh, in the outer boroughs. Yeah, yeah, I have a I have my own secret garden. <laughs> Are we still talking about literally a garden, or is that a metaphor? That's literally I have a literal secret garden. <laughs> Pet peeves. We talked about the feet. Don't touch my feet. I don't know if you want to put that in a Match.com profile. 
Probably, yeah. I probably would, like, because I don't want someone that loves let's, feet. Let's like, just that get this out a, of the way. Yeah, let's even... get it out of the way. Like, I don't like feet. So if you're a foot, if you've got a foot thing, I am not your man. But um, I do have a secret garden. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So let's go back, back into the the the, the childhood days of of Little Dane. I want to talk to Little Dane. Okay, you ready? Okay. It's like it's like. Going back into the recesses of your brain, because we, we haven't we haven't talked about your background much. I think in the past, like what were you what were you into as a kid? Was acting? How early did acting emerge? As yeah, the thing? kind of uh, always and forever. Like I, I I loved playing like dress up and you know pretend and that kind of thing. Like put on the play in your backyard. You know, I remember like Dick Tracy. I put put on Dick Tracy. You know, yeah, it was pretty. It was a big hit. Um, I tried when when Warren Beatty was on the podcast. We were talking about Warren before we started here. Oh yeah, I was trying to get dirt on because he apparently wants to do a Dick Tracy sequel. Yeah, well, he owns like the rights exactly, to it, right? so no one can make it if he doesn't. Well, here's a fascinating side note. Maybe it's just fascinating to me and you. But okay, so yes, he he owns the rights. Yeah, and what he did about like ten years ago. So the the, the movie came out like twenty. Five years ago, probably something like that. And I think in order to retain the rights, like you have to use them every so often. Right. So he did a special with Leonard Malton where he played Dick Tracy that like nobody – it's like on YouTube. Look no it up. It, it's the most bizarre, weird thing where he's in character talking about Dick – as Dick Tracy in the That's special cool. that ran on Fox like 10 years ago. No way. And I guess he still owns the rights. Well, look. I know Warren Beatty is a huge fan of your podcast and <laughs> listens to all the episodes. So if you're out there, Warren Beatty <laughs> – I would love to be the new Dick Tracy. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's ready to hand it off to anybody. I think that's the problem. I think he still wants to be Dick Tracy. Well, okay. Well, I – You could well, be – Still. You could be Kid. You could be uh, yeah. the Charlie Corsmo. <laughs> totally. That would be awesome. I loved Dick Tracy. It was. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So sorry. We got totally sidetracked. But um, – and, and where did you grow up? Um, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. Did I read yeah. that you were born here in the city though? No. Oh, that's, if you that's did, a lie. If you did, it was... I did read it, so it's a lie. Okay. Yeah, alternative facts. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and what was the... Was In Treatment kind of the first, like, big break, as it were, that HBO show? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of success in theater, but uh, I really think that In Treatment was my big break in terms of, like, being invited to try to be in movies. You right. know what I mean? Like, it was the first... It was when... That's when I moved out to L.A., when I finished In Treatment. Got it. And, um... My wife and girlfriend was already living in L.A., and I went out there to try to break into movies because that's kind of – yeah, that was my in. And for people that don't remember In Treatment, it was a really good show. It was it was Gabriel Byrne as a therapist, and it was like yeah. – I, I would think it's a good training in a way like – I mean probably your theater background helped because they were kind of like mini plays like each episode. Totally. Yeah, right? yeah. It was just, it's just dialogue between a therapist and their patient, and yeah. it's a real-time therapy session, no flashbacks or anything. It was a really cool show. Yeah. Nobody watched it. Nobody watched Mia it. Mia Wasikowska was on it? On season one. Right. Yeah, so every season had a different set of patients. Yeah, Mia Wasikowska. Vash- I, like I, like I just like to say her name because it she, makes me sound smart that I know how yeah, to pronounce she it. She was on season one. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, Allison Pill yes, was on yeah, season yeah. two. Yeah. And then – so they always had like a teenager and then I was the teenager of season three. Jesse. And it, it, it kind of set you on the path of your troubled teen years in film, it feels like. Because you've, you've played yeah. your, sh- your fair share of that kind of trope in a way. For sure, yeah. I don't think I've ever played anyone like Jesse again. Right. But I – but it, it, it did – yeah, it, it – it, it, I think 
you know, young actors don't get an opportunity to do material like in treatment. Sure. You know, it's like amazing, amazing material and uh, really demanding stuff. And it, 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 they would take unknown young actors and they would give them the opportunity to showcase themselves in a way that I think it's hard to find opportunities like that. And, yeah, so I think it did really show people um, that I was capable. And so that's why, you know, I, I started to do um, – you know, more all these complicated, troubled yeah. teens. My screen teens. As I, <laughs> I refer to that period of my life as my screen teens because nice. I was like 23, but I was playing teenagers. Right, yeah. right. And was 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 Chronicle? Did Chronicle come relatively soon after? Um, or was there a bit yeah. of a gap? Yeah, uh, there was only a tiny gap. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I made I I did made Lawless first. Oh, really? Yeah, I made Lawless. It sat on the shelf a little bit. As yeah, I recall, yeah. Right? yeah. I made Lawless first, and then, but literally 24 hours after wrapping Lawless, I was in Cape Town wow. uh, getting ready to shoot Chronicle. And then two weeks after that, I was in Schenectady getting ready to shoot Place Beyond Place the Mines. Place Beyond the Mines, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. all that stuff was really uh, you know, back to back. Nice. So, okay. So let's start with Lawless. I'm curious because I've Shia was on the podcast recently. That I love that guy. Um, and that was, that was an interesting production. I mean, it sounded like, you know, you had some interesting personalities between Hardy and, and Shia. There was a lot of testosterone. Right. Uh, and Jessica Chastain in the middle of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us in the middle of it. Um, yeah. And did, that, you, did you feel caught in the middle of like some, like, cause you were probably early film for you. You just probably wanted to get along and not ruffle feathers and well yeah i still don't want to ruffle feathers you know <laughs> I, think, I think i think both hardy and shia still enjoy they ruffling on feathers yeah, a lot a, more than yeah, yeah. uh you know than, it's, it's the than, process yeah um but you know what's cool about that movie looking back on it is like hardy hadn't even made uh batman yet right and none of jessica chastain's movies had come out yet i remember like being at dinner with her and being like yeah i have like five movies that are waiting to come out and like you know, it's it was kind of Jason Clark. You yeah. know, it's like it, so many people from that movie are now have gone on to do such great things, or their movies have come out, and people have realized how amazing they are, and that's that, that's cool. Did I did I talk to you and Jason and Shia at Comic Con for yeah. that? That was a weird. Yeah. That was a weird. That was a weird moment, as I recall. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you can always count on Shia for a weird. Moment. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to make it stranger than it was, but I do recall that was a, one of the odder conversations I've had with uh, with Shia and company over mm. the years. But all good. Mm. Um, and I, I do frankly like that movie a lot. Uh, John Hillcote, right, the filmmaker behind yeah, it's that a cool one. Movie, yeah. So and then John and and then Chronicle. Um, obviously, many uh, probably first saw you in that, and on, on a wider scale, that that movie was so well received and did really well. Um, I'm, I'm curious because like it was Josh Trank, right? Yeah. And you were kind of referred to when you were telling your kind of like stunt story before, but like it's almost like it's found footage essentially. So did it yeah. feel like you're making a big movie or did it feel like you're making like uh, just a, a a verite student film with handheld camera? Like did it feel like it had scope and scale of a studio movie or what? Um, yeah. I mean, well, look, it was the second big movie I'd ever made. So, like, right. I, you know, I hadn't been, like, on the set of a $200 million movie yet. So, yeah, I mean, we had a studio and we had, like, big cameras and we were doing all this wire work. And it definitely felt bigger than I think he, um, you know, ingeniously made it look. Right. Um, I think we really felt like we were doing something special. Um, but, it, you know, it was a relatively a small movie. I think it was like a $12 million movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, 
you know, there we had like a week in front of green screen and all that. And, right. Um, but we did try to do as much practical as we could. Were you surprised in the wake of that after having what's probably I assume was a good experience with the cast and Josh that like what went down on Fantastic Four? Clearly, nobody really had a good time on that one. And he's yeah. He's, I mean, movies are crazy. Man. <laughs> That's your takeaway? That's the lesson? Yeah, the takeaway is movies are crazy. <laughs> just know movies are crazy. I mean, I'm the biggest Michael B. Jordan fan out there. He's the best. He's yeah. the best. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what he's gone on to do has been really amazing. And, you know, I I wish Josh all the best yeah. in all the world. Well, he's he's working with Tom Hardy soon, so that should be an interesting <laughs> Oh. oh <laughs> One of them's God. not going to survive that. Who? <laughs> And I think Hardy's playing Al Capone. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Whoa. <laughs> I think Hardy's, Whoa. Hardy's been playing Al Capone for years off set probably. So <laughs> that's going to be amazing. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Good luck. <laughs> Have fun. Could um, be a great movie. Um, could be a really great movie. It could, it, I hope it is. Yeah. I really do. You're listening to Happy, Sad, Confused. We'll be right back after this. I spent a lot of time with the bromance that was uh, you and Daniel Radcliffe um, yeah. in recent years. Yeah. Um, you, you got to know him before he was a farting corpse. So that was – No. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's gone on to bigger and better things. By the way, I love that movie. Swiss Army Man's great. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you are I, a horrible friend. I know. I know. I have to see it. I haven't even seen like most of the Harry Potter movies. Well, maybe that's probably why he got along with you <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess to be honest. <laughs> Um, what was the? That ha- is my most redeeming quality. <laughs> That's <laughs> on the Match.com profile. Yeah, I've seen. Have not seen most Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Did um? What was the point of bonding on that one? Was it uh? Was it fantasy football? Was it uh, like why did we get along yeah, so well? Yeah. Well, you know, I think in a way, um, a lot of times, um, it's movie dependent. You know, and it's like a movie in which we were kind of in love with each other. Right. So in a way, it was our job to fall in love with each other. And we just got along really well. You know, he's such a cool, awesome, down-to-earth person. We've gone on to play. You know, our fantasy football league is still going strong. Is that right? Yeah, I still – he's the only person that I've really, like, maintained – really st- only actor, maybe, that I've really maintained a strong relationship with. Like, anytime he's in town, we're still hanging out. Nice. Yeah, he's the coolest. He kind of is. Ugh, disgusting that we're just fawning over that guy, whatever. I wonder what he's doing right now. <laughs> Let's call him. Let's call him right now. Um, I don't think, did the Best Kiss campaign ever pan out? Did did the MTV, I don't, uh, uh, no. MTV didn't award you with a nomination? No. I'm sorry. On behalf aren't of MTV, you, aren't I you in charge of that? No, people think I I know, we went on this big it. campaign and then they were like, nope, sorry, <laughs> We're gonna give but I think also we thought we were gonna be the first like two dudes to be nominated, and I think that was completely not true. Like I think dudes, I think kissing dudes. Have, there's de- been there, nominated there definitely had been same sex stuff before. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any if there was a dude combo. Yeah, but that was a I'm good. Sorry, that was a good kiss. Yeah, right. It, no, MTV? it's award worthy. I, I <laughs> are you calling me MTV? Like Red MTV, <laughs> MTV Horowitz. <laughs> I'm a man, not a media conglomerate. <laughs> Um, Spider-Man, or as I like to call it, Speederman, um, the amazing, uh, of the amazing kind. Um, highs and lows of that, uh, production? Is it all happy memories of, of getting involved in that one? I mean, what's Yeah, well, making it, yeah, making it was all happy, you know? Um, making it was awesome. It was like a dream come true. Like, it was crazy to be in this movie, and Spider-Man movie, and, 
you know, be the green goblin, this like super identifiable comic book character. And it was so much fun to make that movie. Was um, it fun? Was the goblin part stuff uh, fun? Because you have to, you got to really go for it. You have to. If you're going to play yeah. the goblin, you're going to. Oh, it's so fun to be on that hoverboard. It's like <laughs> maybe never felt cooler. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think. And it. And I look back and I just think, you know, that movie did so many good things for me, like, since then. You know, like, I don't think – and almost the reboot of it has been really good for me, too, because I I, I don't have to make it another kind one. kind of the best of all possible so worlds. It raised your profile in some ways. And yeah, and, like, I – you know, I wouldn't be able to be in Cure for Wellness if I had to make whatever, Sinister Six or right. another Spider-Man. Or I, I'd be tied to doing those movies. I wouldn't get to make Valerian, you know. I'd be yeah. – I'd be making more Spider-Man movies where I would be playing a cool character, but a play- character I've played already yeah. and supporting character. And now I'm able to make these movies and, like, you know, star in them. And I think that I owe that to Spider-Man, you know. How, how concrete were the plans that were that, – that you knew about? Was Sinister Six going to be the next thing that you were going to do? Uh, I don't know what the next thing was going to be. You know, mm-hmm. they had, like, these big plans and they were, like, whispers and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And then, like – the whispers just faded. Just <laughs> stopped hearing anything. Numbers like, were changed. Oh, like, okay, <laughs> like what's happening? Like what's going on? You know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know that they knew exactly what we were going to do next, but the you know they wanted to do a Sinister Six movie. Like they right. talked about that. Um, so Valerian, you mentioned, you know that like uh, first of all, this movie better be as great as I think it is because I feel like I've like put my flimsy rem- reputation on it. I've been I really w- appreciate all you've done for Valerian, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of you and Kara and, of course, Luke. Yeah. Um, and I, I really – everything I've seen looks awesome. I mean yeah, that, com- me that Comic-Con, um, I, I moderated that, that panel with you guys after I'd been on set. But like that Comic-Con was a great experience, I'm sure, for you. I mean just for me to moderate. But for you to see that footage and see the response must have been a gas. Totally, man. Yeah, I don't think we could have asked for anything better and – it was that I, I haven't seen it, you know? Like, I'm so excited for it, too, because what I've seen, you've probably seen more than no, I've seen. No, I have, I've seen exactly what you've seen, probably. Have you? Well, you've, you've looped things, so I'm sure you've seen actually much more than me. No, because the looping is like, he'll only show me two seconds at a time. <laughs> like, can I see more? I'd be like, no, you can't. So, I mean, and that was a ver- one of my favorite sets, honestly, to visit over the years, partially because of just the atmosphere that Luke seems to create and and that facility was amazing outside of Paris. It's amazing. And it, it's true. It's it, it was my favorite set to be on. Really? It was the most fun I've ever had making a movie. And he he treats everybody like family and like you're working French hours and you you know he runs the show and he wants everyone to be happy. So yeah. it's such a happy good it was just so much fun, you yeah. know, and I think the movie has every chance to be the most fun you've ever had watching a movie. Exactly. You know, I think like the experience I had making the movie could be people's experience watching the movie. It's <laughs> going to be so epic and crazy and um, the world that he's created just seems so amazing. Um, I'm so excited to see it. Well, I mean, and in some ways, you know, coming full circle on something like A Cure for Wellness, like – I always say, like, I appreciate films, whether they're studio or independent films, just, that, that are just trying stuff, that are just going for it, that, that totally. are bold. And, like, yeah. just it's the sameness of movies that drives me insane. Yeah. Um, and I think Luke has made a, you know, it's clearly a very expensive movie. It's a big movie. But it also, like, to me, it feels like it's like an independent movie. It's like his movie. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, like, look, if you look at, like, a Spider-Man, if, like, maybe the the downfall of those movies sometimes is that a lot of times they're movies made by committee. Yeah. You know, like, 
you have 10 people giving opinions at all times. And it's like, it just, it, it can be a battle of power and of opinion. And sometimes they're just people that want to make a decision that day. Like it's right. not even like based in the world of it. The arbitrary notes of yeah. the studio executive right. can drive somebody insane. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe they're in a bad mood that day. So mm-hmm. they decide like, oh, I don't like his hair. Cut right. it. It's <laughs> like, but. You know, but we spent a lot of time, like, designing this. It's like, what are you talking about? But it's like, yeah, for Valerian, like, it is unfiltered, completely Luke Basson. And it's the movie he's wanted to make his entire life. Yeah. And he has all the resources at his disposal. And so I think it will have this unique voice to it that would be almost impossible for an American studio to accomplish because I think they would be so scared to relinquish that control. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, was there a screen test with Cara Cardelvian? No, we were cast separately. I, I literally like it was a crazy surreal experience. I got this. I got a call that Luke wanted to meet with me. And he would meet me anywhere I wanted. So I was like, okay, well, there's a brunch spot like a block from my place. And we went and had some eggs. And he talked to me about the script. And the next thing I knew, I was in it. Like it was, it was, um, you know, a, a, a great gift that he gave me. What do you What do you take away from that? particular kind of experience, which sounds like it was a very unique one for the, you know, again, you, you also get to be like the lead with Kara, like in a movie of that size, that, that's an opportunity that doesn't come along very often for somebody. Yeah. Did you learn much about sort of like what that means for you as a person and as an actor to, to have to be kind of like the lead in a movie of that scale? I mean, was that intimidating or was that, did you learn stuff about yourself in that process? Um... Yeah, I mean, look, I think what I learned during that is that it is possible to be a completely happy, healthy person (laughs) and make a movie at the same time. Right. You know, like, so Cure for Wellness was a marathon of a movie. Like, I was doing crazy things every day, and it was super complicated. It could be so fun to challenge yourself in those ways, but it's also fun to make something that's just, like, delightfully uncomplicated and enjoyable and... um, and, and, you know, I was in the best shape of my life and I, you know, that was the most physical movie I've ever done. Sure. Like we did, I did crazy stuff for that. And, you know, I think there's something ch- almost childlike about making those kinds of movies because you're, you, you m- use your imagination and you're playing superheroes and it's just, it goes back to when you're a kid. And, um, and it, it can, it's so important, I think. For me now as an adult actor to remember, hey, you've been doing since th- since this since you were a kid. Yeah. And like you do this because you love to do it. And like you started doing this by using your imagination. And so to be reminded of that can be almost the most important lesson. Have you decided at what age your uh, unborn child will see a cure for wellness? I think like 35 I think that's probably when they're like four years older than I am right now. <laughs> you, guys, yeah. you can't handle Maybe it yourself. never. <laughs> <laughs> but Valerian will probably be fun at a, you know, I mean a relatively early teen kind of age. Totally, yeah. Right? I think I think Valerian will be pretty okay, yeah. I think Valerian is like both the movie that I want to see now but also like 12-year-old Josh is dying to see. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I, th- I think it's the movie I wanted to make now but also 12-year-old Dane yeah. was dying to make. What, what were the – were there a couple movies that – do you remember the movies that blew your mind most as a kid? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, the Fifth Element was it? I loved the Fifth Element. Yeah. I really did. I mean, I know that's kind of a convenient answer, but it really <laughs> did kind of blow my mind. Yeah. Like it was, and that movie is kind of like uh, so watchable. It's crazy. Like you still, when it's on, I watch it. Totally. Um, yeah, but when I was little, little, I, I loved Newsies. You know, oh, sure. Newsies was big. I yeah. watched it like every day for a while. Have you Have you sung in a in a movie yet? I'm trying to think. No, uh, not 
Not really. Like, okay, not like that's, a full on. That's one of the one genres of movie that I feel like I have left is the movie musical. And can you sing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can sing. I, I grew up doing like musicals. You know, that was kind of nice. all that there was to do in right. rural Pennsylvania. So if I wanted to act, I had to sing. <laughs> uh, have you gone up for musicals? Have you had some auditions? Um, no, no. But there is this one musical that I've been attached to for a long time called Ziggy. Okay. Um, As in Ziggy Stardust? What? No, it's not. It's not a Bowie thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just called Ziggy, and um, I've been attached to it for a while. Cool. And every, it's it, we've been like developing it for a long time. So, you know, I'm attached to that one. I don't know. Hope maybe, hopefully, one day it'll get made. You know, it's a miracle any time a movie gets yeah. made. But and is um, have you done theater in, in New York in a while or at all? It's been a while. Yeah. I did a lot of it when I first got out of school. Yeah. Um. My, one of my very first jobs, I understudied Haley Joel Osment in the <laughs> short-lived production of American Buffalo on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. I vaguely remember this. Okay. Yeah. Um, Who else was, was that? Cedric the Entertainer, Haley Joel Osment, and John Leguizamo. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's naturally the cast you would put in a American Buffalo in David production. David Mamet. Yeah, obviously. It ran for less than a week. Um <laughs> And it's like when you're an understudy, you start doing rehearsals the Friday after it opens. Oh, so you never got. But they were like, eh, we're closing, so we're just going to cancel rehearsals. <laughs> like, oh, How yeah. old were you then? Mm, like 22, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I started doing a lot of off-Broadway theater. I was in this play, The Aliens, that like the New York Times named the play of the year that year. Oh, nice. Yeah, Annie Baker. Excellent. She's the best. So we need to get you back on stage now that you're going to be a dad. That's a nice stable thing. You can be in the city. You can stay, you know. It would be nice. Right? Yeah, I would love to go back on stage. <clears throat> Do you know what the next uh, gig is after? Well, you're going you're gonna yeah. to have a busy year with Valerian and obviously Cure for Wellness now, but then you're going to probably have a huge press. Yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, uh, having a baby and then starting promo for Valerian. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing next besides – Promotions, raising a child and 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 tend to, tend, tending, tending to your secret garden. Besides raising a child and traveling <laughs> around the world, promoting my movie, I don't know what I'm going to be doing now. Oh, I, I want that to be your voice. Can you make that your permanent voice? What do you mean? This is my voice. <laughs> Setting off. It's Josh Horowitz with Dane DeHaan. Uh, a cure for wellness opens this Friday. Everybody should check it out. Uh, honestly, Thursday. Really? Thursday? Yeah, Thursday at eight. PM is oh, the very first show. And you want to be at those shows because those are the people that matter. Those are the people that care about you and your future. Yeah, you want to be first in. You, you don't want to be last I hear they're the already selling out. Like, you better get your ticket right now. Guys, you better get going. Start to put your jacket on as I sign <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, Dane, it's always good to see you. I'll see you, I'm sure, on the Valerian um, craziness. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, congratulations on this one, man. Thanks, man. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs> this episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.
the share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Got up. 